Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And as always, we are set to take you on a wonderful journey through (laughs) our world where in the podcast space, this show, believe it or not, sets records, breaks records, and then sets more records. Like, that's how good we are. Even in lockdown, we do that. Even in lockdown, especially in lockdown. Especially in lockdown. We're like the... um, the COVID go-to for individuals that are housebound. So exactly, which yeah, is, which has shot our numbers through the roof, through the roof, and uh, you know, spread it around. Uh, you know, uh, Thingalonians, uh, let's let's get some more people uh, onto our podcast. That'd be great. And, and in fact, our listenership, Tony, yes. just to put it into terms that some people would understand, in the early goings on of this pandemic, we were growing, you know, s- slowly, but we're like a variant now. And mm. it's like doubling every week. We're like so, B-117. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess we call ourselves, we'll call ourselves AAT 2021, <laughs> 2021, the variant AAT 2021. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. Anyway, so All we right. want to we want to thank a bunch of our sponsors. Yeah. Obviously, we wouldn't be able to do the show without John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions. They are our presenting sponsors. You can find them at municipalsolutions.ca. Yes, and indeed, of course, even with uh, this enhanced uh, lockdown in Ontario, uh, you might still be planning something, you know, planning a a new property or a new build or what have you. And that's where Municipal Solutions can come in. Uh, They have uh, development services. They have project management. They can get you development approval. Uh, They can expedite permit applications planning services with municipalities they're very good at that engineering services architectural services if you've got a minor variance or you need a land severance they're excellent for that as well as building permits municipalsolutions.ca john and the gang will help you out and we thank them as jody said for being our presenting sponsor and we also thank polytrack Uh, Polytrack offers government relations pros a secure hub to store their advocacy data This includes uh, stakeholder contact details. If you've got engagement reports or key messages, you can store that on PolyTrack. It means that your advocacy data is at your fingertips, which reduces your compliance and reporting time, and it means you can spend more time growing your business and your practice. So visit polytrackwithaq.com. Mention and another thing podcast when you sign up and you can receive their white glove onboarding service for free, Jody, for free, uh, which includes a tutorial and a Q&A for your team. So all you GR pros out there, check out polytrack.com. And then, of course, we want to thank Think Data Works. Uh, that you can find them at uh, thinkdataworks.com, Twitter at thinkdataworks, and Instagram at thinkdatahumans. And I just pose this question to you. Uh, how confident are you in your organization's data governance? A huge issue these days, huge issue. There's been over $350 million in fines due to a lack of legal basis for data processing and security. That, that That's real money, obviously. And ThinkDataWorks has the technology to build a collaborative and compliant data workflow. So you get better return on your investment, you get get faster time to insights, and an easier way to discover 
govern and modernize your data. It is a curated catalog of data, and therefore, according to their stats, and I have no reason to doubt them because that's what they're all about, uh, you get twice the business value if you curate your data. So save yourself from fines and use data better. Increase consumer trust and increase outcomes. Go to thinkdataworks.com. And as always, you can find out about all those sponsors by going to their links, which are located on our amazing website and another thing podcast.ca. And you can also get in touch with us there and listen to all our old shows in our archive. So got all that stuff out of the way. Now we can get to the real meat of the show. And I know we've got mm. a wonderful guest lined up for this program. And Tony, you went above and beyond the call of duty with your <laughs> Um, guest research and your network. So I'll let you introduce our, the, the gentleman that we're having on today. I'd be happy to, Jody. And indeed, it is a, a fellow that I've known for many, many years, uh, probably goes back decades now. It's Rocco Rossi. He is the president and chief executive officer of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. He's a former CEO of the Heart and Stroke Foundation in Ontario, uh, former national director of the Liberal Party of Canada, uh, former 2010 mayoral candidate in Toronto and former 2011 PC candidate in Eglinton Lawrence. So Rocco and I have kicked around together in various guises he's had. And I, I want to welcome you, Rocco. It's great to have you on our program. Well, I'm the king of former, apparently. Uh, I hope I don't drag, drag your amazing numbers down. No, 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 no. You're the you're the Ontario Chamber. That's where a lot of action going on these days. So we're, we're very pleased to have you. And the thing that sparked my outreach to you was you've got a thing going on, maybe on all your socials. I don't know, but I, I, I look at it from LinkedIn and you've been posting regularly about the state of and the rate of vaccination in this country. And you've made some very good points I wanted to start this podcast by you kind of explaining what you've been tracking and the conclusions that you've reached. Well, thank you uh, so much, uh, Tony and Jody, for having me on and for shining a light um, on this uh, issue. I'm uh, I'm a big believer that um, you manage what you measure, uh, and so it's absolutely critical to continue to shine a light on where we're at with vaccinations now at the start of the third lockdown, we absolutely know that lockdowns are not a long-term solution. They will create a short-term drop in, uh, in cases, in hospitalizations and death. But as soon as you, um, you take your, uh, uh, your foot off of the blunt instrument, uh, the numbers come back, and now with the variants who are more more virulent uh, uh, and more deadly, um, we're in a we're in a bigger pickle than uh, than ever before. And so, what we know, looking around the globe and looking at countries like Israel and the UK and others that have really put the pedal to the metal with respect to vaccination, is that is the way that you, in a long-term basis, uh, can reopen the economy while uh, stabilizing and driving down uh, cases. So the fact that Canada, 
a purported G7 country now ranks 53rd in the world in terms of vaccination uh, per capita is just just completely unacceptable. Uh, and what I hope to do with the with the numbers is to you know show where uh, where we're at, and it's it's not simply a supply issue because we're beginning over the last couple of weeks to see more supply arrive, uh, and that ends up in the freezer as opposed to in the arms. So there are distribution uh, issues as well at the provincial side, and I'm not one that concerns himself around around blame. There's plenty of that to go around. It's now, what are we going to do together to accelerate that? And there are some things that the Ontario Chamber has been doing with, with businesses, with colleges, universities to accelerate that. Um, and we want to we want to keep keep doing that because we see that as the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I want to just jump on that just for a second because uh, the the point that you have been making and it's a really good point. You you look at it strictly, uh, it's it's fact based, it's numbers based, and you say, look, if if the promise is we're going to get so many jabs in people's arms by June and so many by September. You need a rate of vaccination per day that makes that possible. And your point has been where we have been so far nowhere near that point. Is that right? A hundred percent. I mean, we, um, both the federal and the provincial government here in Ontario have been saying, look, um, by by September, we want 75% of uh, the adult population vaccinated, so-called herd herd immunity, and and now um, you know was added. Look, by June 20th, we want uh, we want that 75% of uh, of adults uh, at least one jab uh, in their arm because we've decided uh, that we can extend. Uh, the gap between uh, doses, something that's still debated, but so be it. Um, to do that, to do either, we need in Ontario to be doing about 120,000 vaccinations a day, every day, including holidays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, and we need to be doing in, you know, roughly... Um, uh, closing closing in on 300,000 in Canada and we've been currently averaging about 187,000 across Canada and uh, about 76,000 a day uh, in Ontario and clearly that's not good enough. Every day that we're not at the number to get us to that goal is a day that we've got to make up on another day. Yeah, and and so uh, we'll we'll miss the target is the point, and and I guess from your vantage point as the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, this is there's a there's obviously a human cost to this, and then there's a huge business cost to this as well. Is that one of your concerns? Lives and livelihood. Uh, I, I mean, I cannot stress uh, this enough. Ontarians, Canadians have been sacrificing mightily in terms of health, um, in terms of their businesses, in terms of jobs, uh, in terms of mental health. 
And the only way to properly honor that sacrifice uh, is to be world-class in getting and distributing uh, vaccinations. And anything short of that is a failure, quite frankly. Um, uh, and and we are more than willing to, to step up. We've set up the Ontario Vaccination Support Council. It's over 250 businesses, colleges, universities, associations, labor unions who have committed to put their shoulder to the wheel. And our members have donated facilities, you know, they bought and donated freezers for public health units. They've provided volunteers. Uh, they're helping to pay for transportation for those who can't get to uh, to appointments easily. Uh, they've even, in the case of uh, of uh, of Bruce Power and 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 a few of our other members, have designed and retrofitted hockey arenas. Uh, into mass vaccination sites and handed them over to the PHUs. So we stand ready to help. We're ready to lean in. We expect uh, governments to be doing the same. What are your members telling you? I, you know, we had uh, Dan Kelly uh, on the program from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business a, f- a few weeks ago, I guess now. Always and, delighted uh, to have Dan as my warm-up act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope you get along with him. I, I think he's a pretty decent guy. But uh, you know, he was he was describing Canada wide, uh, you know, uh, some of the dire predictions. But I'd love to get your perspective from the Ontario Chamber. What what are your members telling you about how what it's like now and what they're going through? It's absolutely devastating, um, Tony. There's no there's no other word. Uh, for it. it. It isn't uniform, to be clear. People talk about the so-called K-shaped recovery. It's been a K-shaped recession from the get-go there. You know, if you've been in essential services, if you've been in technology, um, you know, you've hung in there or even done done better in some cases from a business perspective. But those particularly in the high-touch world of tourism, of hospitality, of recreation, of gyms, of salons, of personal services, um, have have just been battered from from day one, and each each lockdown has been another kick in the teeth in terms of it takes money money that you've not been generating to to reopen, to stock up, to bring back employees. Uh, and then if you've got to shut down, it's a, it's, it's a double hit. So we know we've lost tens of thousands of businesses already uh, in Ontario, and we're losing more despite all of these programs. We're losing more each and every day. We will lose more before the end of it. And, you know, as Dan and, 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 uh, Perrin Beatty at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce have been pointing out, you know, we're looking at uh, a minimum of a couple hundred thousand businesses that will have gone bankrupt through no fault of their own by the end of this. Incredible. And and I, the other thing that you hear, of course, is uh, sometimes the kind of the wacky calculation of, uh, who's locked down? Who isn't? Uh, obviously, uh, you know Walmart versus your your small independent uh, grocery store or whatever. Uh, and uh, you know, the, I guess the meme that I've seen in this latest lockdown is, you know, my, my hairstylist can uh, interact with the cashier at Walmart, 
but that Walmart cashier can't get her hair styled at the hairstylist. You know, that this kind of dissonance that uh, people are just scratching their heads over. Is that right? Tremendous sense of, of unfairness. I mean, look, if we're going to take one for the team, we want everyone to be taking one for the team, obviously. And, and, uh, and so that, that has been a frustration. But one of the things I really want to underscore, um, Tony, because very often people say, well, look, Rocco, you're, you're a business advocate, and, and so, of course, it's all about money for you. This isn't a dichotomy of health versus the economy. Uh, this is what makes it so incredibly complex, and I, and I have enormous uh, sympathy for... Uh, for political leaders, for public health officials, because on on the other side of lockdown is is not just economic loss. It's an explosion in mental health issues. It's an explosion in substance abuse. It's an explosion in domestic violence. It's an explosion in uh, treatment, so-called elective treatments, tests, et cetera, that are only elective if it's a matter of weeks of difference. But now that you've got a year, you have literally over a million appointments, treatments, surgeries, et cetera, that have been put off that are now causing enormous health on the other side. So you you do need a balance, but clearly the variants have, have changed the game because the promise was always... Let's make sure that we have vaccinated and protected our most vulnerable, our seniors, our people in long-term care. And then we can do some reopening knowing that maybe the caseload will increase, right. but hospitalizations and deaths won't. And variants have clearly changed that game. So it's back to if we don't get our act together on vaccinations, we are going to continue to pay um, an enormous price in both lives and livelihoods that we shouldn't. I mean, look at what's happening in the U.S. south of the border on on Good Friday. They did four million vaccinations in one day. To keep right. pace just with that, Canada would have had to have done three hundred and thirty thousand. Uh, vaccinations and and we're clearly not there. It's very frustrating, and uh, you know uh, I think that uh, I I what I've noticed with this uh, this latest announcement from uh, the Ford government is there's a lot more frustration, and you know we're we're look well, I, I I can't get over the patience of Ontarians and Canadians uh, for one, over one year of this, you know, and uh, there's all there's all those uh, wry commentaries about uh, how it was going to be two weeks to flatten the curve a year ago. Um, but uh, people have been patient and they've understood that it's, it's tough to make these political decisions uh, and these decisions that are going to affect the livelihood of people. But I'm starting to get a sense that people are getting very, very frustrated. I've noticed that just on my socials and talking to people in my community. Jody, uh, do you want to jump in here too? No, the only the only thing I was going to interject, and it goes back to something that Rocco said near the very beginning of the program about, you know, we can't be pointing blame or d- dishing out blame because there's plenty of that to go around. We have to work together um, on a solution. And Tony, you can probably weigh in on this as well. But is there any chance, and look, I'm a conservative, but is there any chance that like from a federal perspective, 
Aaron O'Toole and the conservative party can just push everything aside and say, look, whatever we got to do to assist the liberal party or the governing party to get this done, let's do it. Because I, I think Canadian, I think that's one of the biggest problems with the party right now is that Canadians don't care about some of the stuff they're spending time on. And we just want to get through this. But is that a, is that a pipe dream? I guess. Yeah. Rockefeller, are you, are you must be talking to opposition leaders in Ottawa too. Uh, what, what's your sense? Look, it, um, it it is always difficult to be an opposition party at the at the best of times, right? The government always has access to you know the press conferences and the media, and they have the power of the purse. and And clearly, during a crisis, um, oppositions have almost disappeared uh, because they're you know daily briefings, et cetera, on the on the part. And and that's not just at the federal level; that's at the that's at the provincial level. It's even at the municipal level, for that matter. Um, and so, I think uh, opposition parties do have to, you know, up their game even more and be really, really focused and 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 focusing on extraneous uh, uh, things is is not at all helpful. And and Canadians are not going to respond to that. So, we want to see Team Canada. Uh, and we want to see constructive focus on um, on what matters. And I particularly want to see that not just with opposition parties, but between levels of government, because quite frankly, one of the silver linings uh, in the early days of this of this crisis was the extent of the collaboration and cooperation. You know, you saw the. Uh, you saw Christian Freeland and Doug Ford becoming right. EFFs. And, exactly. Uh, and that is fantastic, right? That is what people expect in a time of, of, of crisis. And so that's fraying now a bit, a year plus into this, and, and, and we can't allow it to fray um, it, because, because we are close. We do see the light at the end of that of that tunnel, and we all have to get uh, put our A game together uh, to get out there. Yes, there are doses now in the freezer for the first uh, for the first couple of months of the vaccination. It was totally a supply story, uh, but now, as of the other day, we had 1.5 million doses in freezers across the country at a time when we've only um, vaccinated about 5.5 million over the, all of the time. So that's a massive amount to be in freezers. That needs to be in arms. But even if 100%, and, and so provinces have to up their game, no question. But right. even if 100% of that was in arms, we'd still be 33rd in the world as opposed to 53rd in the world. So to Jody's point, there's plenty. If we want to get into the blame game, there's plenty of blame to go around. That's not my focus. My focus is how do we get how do we get uh, Canadians and Ontarians vaccinated as quickly as possible? How do we work together? That involves using the using the army, using the medical personnel there. Let's 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 work together to make it happen. I, I agree with that. I, I think that. Uh, 
uh, there's not much room. I, Canadians aren't. aren't I, there'll be a time when they're looking to the future beyond COVID, but uh, the this um, these new variants have set that back. I think uh, emotionally and mentally in most people's minds, they they just want to try to get through this latest uh, variant, which is obviously sweeping through. And and really, in a sense, uh, the old variant, the 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 Coke classic of <laughs> of uh, COVID, is really quite under control. But this new variant has swept through and has made a, a big difference. There's no question about it. I, I had a question for you, Rocco, because you're you've you've moved from a uh, a life where you had a partisan role, whether it was Liberal Party of Canada or as a PC candidate, and now you're in a role where you really can't be partisan. So, so is, is that difficult for you personally, or have you found that to be quite an easy shift? Not, not at all uh, difficult. I mean, my my goal, you know, very much like like you and your career, uh, Tony is, and and I I took obviously some. Uh, some criticism for you know having been a national director of the Liberal Party and and then running for the the PCs. I believe I've always been about you know what what is what is public service about um, because quite frankly I could have been in the private sector and 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 led a life with far fewer complications and lots more money in the bank, um, but but this country has been amazing to. Uh, to me and to my family that came as immigrants and and have been able to build a, a fantastic life here, and we want that for everyone. We don't want that to be an exception, um, and so that's that's been my focus. Whether it's in political life or as head of the Heart and Stroke or head of Prostate Cancer Canada, and now head of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, um, so I, I don't find that. Uh, difficult personally because I, I've seen that as my duty from the get-go. Well, I think it's impressive because uh, you know, as you're you're quite correct, correct. There's there's other things you could have been doing with your time, uh, but uh, you have a, a long record of. Uh, of helping the public and uh, helping your association. So I want to thank you for that. I'm uh, Jody. Uh, I think we're at the end of our podcast, unless you've got uh, something you want to add. No, that was, uh, it was awesome. So we uh, certainly appreciate Rocco's time this morning. And I got an article out on that, on exactly that issue of let's get beyond the blame game and Good. understand that both supply and distribution are a problem and we got to fix it at, at Rocco Rossi TO. And I'd, I'd love people's comments and I'd love it shared and let's, um, let's stick together. This is time for uh, team Canada, not for individual scrimmages and uh, stay positive and test negative. That's the right solution, and uh, we got uh, some uh, hopefully some spring-like weather in our forecasts across the province, and hopefully that'll lift people's spirits, get us through this last little bit, and uh, and uh, and hopefully your aspirations, all of our aspirations for a, a smooth vaccination program from here on in, will make a difference as well. Amen. Wonderful discussion with. Rocco there so that was great I yeah I know he's he's an interesting cat and uh, he's uh, very focused as you can tell and, and his arguments are all based on numbers all based on facts that's what I like about him and so I think he's doing a good job for the Ontario Chamber of Commerce for sure 
Yeah, it's interesting. I've been chatting about this with some of the some of my friends in my circle lately. But if you can recall at the beginning of this pandemic, and even you know for most of it, a lot of the medical professions professionals have been saying that the likely number of cases in Canada is closer to four to six times higher than what's being than what we know, right? Mm-hmm, and when sure. you take that into consideration, I mean, it just really if that's even even if that's half accurate. Let's say it's even two times higher. It's uh, the likelihood of more people having it is is it's, is much it's bigger. And people are worried. I can tell. And uh, there, there's going to have to be a reckoning. I, I know this is not the time for that. Rocco is right on that. But uh, when I look at our numbers, you know, twenty two thousand dead and and uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of cases, and then you go across the ocean to Australia with about eighteen hundred uh, casualties, and that's it. Uh, so clearly they did things that we didn't do. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we've got, there's going to be another pandemic at some point. So we got to be much better prepared for the next one. That's my point. Yeah. And I liked his team Canada comments. I know that, um, I mean, I doubt that that's going to happen anytime soon. And obviously if it, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now, but I do think that there is a lot of a lot of benefits in that approach if um, the Conservatives and the Liberals and the NDP, actually all part, and Green, anybody, Block, everybody could just work together. But uh, Yeah, was, it's tough for the opposition. I, oh, I, yeah. I don't I know, think the government wants to work with the opposition. They'd rather they sit in a corner and be quiet. So it, it, it takes two to tango a little yeah, bit yeah. as well. You know? Yeah, but it'd be nice if everybody could just say, hey, it's not every day that you're in a pandemic. Can we just push everything to the side and get this done <laughs> exactly that uh, that's what everybody wants you're quite right anyway we'll wrap up the show we want to thank our sponsors again john mutton and the team at municipal solutions uh for being our presenting sponsor and polytrack.com chris moffat arms at the gang thank you as well and many thanks to uh to brian and mckenzie over at think data works think and don't forget go back listen to all our other shows Make sure you download them, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet it out, share rate, it on rate, rate and review as rate well. Rate and review. We, we love, we've had some comments, and we, we want to thank people for commenting on it, uh, either on the platform itself or on socials. We really do appreciate your feedback. The website is andanotherthingpodcast.ca. Tony, we will talk to you in seven days. Seven days, my friend.